Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rock Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find out at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We're rope partners. We've been practicing together for a few years. We are very excited to share our passion for rope with you from our beautiful city of Bangkok. Even though our beautiful city of Bangkok is a little bit sad today, Maya. It is a bit sad because like most of the rest of the world, um, we have uh, a pandemic. Yeah, we we're, as we're recording this, we're um, in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic here in Thailand. And I'm sure most of you, dear listeners, are also having challenges with that wherever you are. So rope jams are being cancelled. Kink parties are being cancelled. And so the opportunities to do rope are fewer and further between on them, Maya. Yeah, and also for a lot of us, the headspace is, is changed as well. Mm-hmm. But if you do have the time and the space um, and the headspace and the health, because that's um, at this point not a given, mm-hmm. uh, to do some rope, then we have uh, found a way to do it from your own home. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, well, we also have... Um, people who are isolating with their partners with whom they do rope so they can actually do rope all day they have nothing to do which is not necessarily terrible Uh, some people are self-tying some people are practicing on chairs or whatever but what we did find on FetLife and we liked quite a bit this time Maya was an online workshop yes Uh, and so we're bringing you a a quite timely rope field report but from Mm -hmm. the comfort of our own home yep Uh, So we attended a class uh, through Friction Live, um, which was on body mechanics in rope. So it was an online uh, rope class. Mm -hmm. And the title was The Way We Move. Yep. Um, And it was with Yum Yum Panda and Shakti Bliss Bunny. And we wanted to share our experience with our listeners. So Maya, it was our first time ever taking a live rope class online, right? That is right, I think. And well, we've, uh, live, right? yeah. yeah. So. We, we've done a lot of our rope learning through videos on the internet. Um, especially, we use the um, SNM rope tutorials a lot, which are the ones that uh, the listeners can find if they go on ropepodcast.com. Uh, and that was more for learning the techniques and how to tie. But this experience was quite different from watching a technical video, I would say. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. It was much more interactive. Um, it felt much more like actually being present at a thing, which was very nice from a community perspective. Mm-hmm, definitely. And in these times of social isolation, getting the feeling of interacting with people is important, I think. Yeah, very much so. And, mm-hmm. and felt nice. Mm-hmm. So what was this workshop about, Maya? Uh, It was about understanding how the body functions and moves Okay. um, in order that when you're doing your rope, you can shape the body as the bottom or the top following more natural movements. All right. Were there any prerequisites for entering that workshop? There were some prerequisites, although um, I'm not sure. I'd be interested on your thoughts on whether you thought they were useful or not Mm -hmm. so they were for those tying um single and double columns basic chest harness basic anatomy and rope safety um for those being tied uh experience being tied in basic ties which i guess are what 
we just heard in the tying. Mm-hmm. Uh, basic understanding of anatomy and safety and ability to communicate about their bodies and how they're functioning in ties. All right. So to answer your question, I don't think the prerequisites were really related to the actual content of the workshop in the sense that you don't have to tie a single column tie in order to have use of that material. But I think the prerequisites do a good job of targeting the kind of people who are going to be interested in that subject. Because I think you have to be at this certain level of being able to start seeming with rope before those questions of how to move your partner's body or how to have your own body moved if you're the bottom makes sense. Yeah, and one of the things um, that they said now at the end of the class, uh, I think in response to a question was, you know, in order to be able to do this, you really need to be able to do this stuff, the, the kind of basic seeming tie blindfold. Like you need to be able to do that without thinking about it so that your cognitive processing is going towards mm. these And, and you mean the top blindfolded as opposed to the bottom? Yes. Which is Although more frequent. The bottom. Everyone blindfolded. Uh, yeah, what they did say, and I agree with, is once you have the basic ties committed to muscle memory, yes. you have more brain capacity to devote to other aspects of your scene. Yes. That's right. And uh, how you interact with your partner's body would be one of those aspects. So what happened before the class, Fox? Um, before the class, well, we had to sign up for it. And yeah. I think in this case, I found this class by reading the groups on FetLife. Yeah. Uh, and I thought to myself, well, that would be a perfect way to occupy ourselves while we're um, confined uh, at home, we, we can't really go out, we don't have any events anymore, and usually our kink events are on the weekends, and this class happened mm. to be on the weekend. Yeah. Um, we had to finesse the timing a bit because of the time difference. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. Uh, because the workshop was based on uh, mountain time. Mountain standard time? Mountain MST, standard time. anyway, for those of you who um, live in North America. Yes. They're Some, in Calgary. So, something related to the North Americas. Uh, so for most people, that workshop was in the eight. evening. And for us, it was in the very early morning. I yeah. think it started 7 a.m. for us yeah. on the Sunday. Yeah. You were very sad to have to get up at 6 o'clock on Sunday morning. I mean, I wasn't that sad. I was actually pretty excited to join a, yeah. an online rope workshop. So, it, <laughs> And I, I had a nap after the workshop. You so did, I, I yeah. was okay in the end. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your concern, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went into this workshop not really knowing what was going to happen, did we? No. Uh, we knew it would run through Zoom, and both mm-hmm. of us have used that for work and personal life. And we knew that if there was any problem, we could get the recording. Yeah, so okay. that was actually a good safety net because mm-hmm. we weren't quite sure tech-wise how it would go. I mean, there's a million things. You know, you live in mm-hmm. Thailand. It's a different different place. So. All right. So if you've never used Zoom... It's basically one of those video conferencing applications, a bit yes. like Skype or FaceTime. Uh, you have people with a webcam and you see them through the webcam. You can hear them speaking and you also have a text chat. And what I didn't know going into this was whether or not we would be on video. Or yes. Okay. Good point. Uh, turns out the way Friction Live does things is that only... The facilitator, Miranda from Friction Live in this case, and the presenters were on video and on audio, and the attendees were just on text chat, which honestly, if you're someone who's a bit shy, or if you are concerned about your privacy, 
the fact that other people can't hear you or see you might make you feel more comfortable. Yeah, very much so. Um, now you say it, I have realised, and I think this comes more from having dealt with my own family during this okay. crisis with Zoom, um, there wasn't really any... It was just assumed that you'd be able to use it. There wasn't... Like, it was very modern in that sense. Okay. I which say, we're very comfortable with. I will say it's a piece of software that's rather easy to use, but yeah, don't expect any hand-holding. Yeah. You're expected to know how I to mean, use I mean, you're in IT and, and so I do remote work, so... True, true. We're, you know... Anyway, right. yeah, it's, it's just an interesting... Um, yeah, so don't be worried about your privacy. Don't be worried about if you're going to sound funny or anything. You're not going to speak. You're going to just type on your keyboard. But I think... They did a pretty good job mm. of interacting with the audience. Yeah. Uh, and having a facilitator in addition to the presenters, I think, made a big difference. Yeah, know? because she was able to deal with some of the questions and mm-hmm. keep an eye on the text chat while they got down to presenting. Yeah, and they were actually pretty smart about when they took the questions. When they were, um, I was thinking in particular, one time in the demo, where they say, okay, so we're going to tie this harness bit or whatever and it's going to be a bit dull because it's just going to be me tying for three minutes um, and the workshop's not about tying harnesses so that's not what they're talking about well they use that time to take questions at the yeah. same time so yeah. that was that was very smart I thought although I did notice that three people said could you just like show us the, the back harness. of that harness yeah, and well, what you did there that riggers going to be riggers you know yeah, yeah. yeah so what did we do to prepare what did we have uh, with us like what's we useful we had grabbed a few coils of rope just in case uh, in the case of this specific workshop it wasn't really needed yeah uh, it wasn't a workshop with hands on time or exercises this one no. and I think for reasons of duration that made sense. Honestly, it was already challenging for the presenters, and I'll come back to this in a bit, to get all that content in the two hours of the format. And I agree with them that there was not really time to include exercises. Yeah. Uh, but it's good to have the rope handy. And like in the same way that people like to doodle when they're on the phone, you can still be doing single column ties on your ankles if you need to sure. occupy your hands. I just like holding rope. Yeah, also that. Holding uh, and sniffing. <laughs> um, and we um, we had, obviously we bought two spaces. And so we had both my laptop and your computer next to each other. So we could both type in the chat. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going to do this as a couple, I would say like, just buy a ticket each. It supports the event. It's Definitely. a nice thing to do yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, and we obviously we had some beverages, some food, <laughs> some snacks. Some snack. Since your sound is not on, you're not going to bother other attendees with your chewing sound, so it's it's all good. (laughs) Okay, so they did an intro, a a Mm -hmm. solid intro, so they talked to the two educators, uh, Yum Yum Panda and Shakti Bliss Bunny, Um, people might have come across. Um, And we'll link them in the show notes, I expect. Of course, of course. And and they're people who, you know, we've we've come across on uh, FetLife, but obviously we're not... um, in the North American or the European, really, rope communities as mm-hmm. such. So um, they talked a bit about themselves. Yeah. And they did a really good job of establishing the space, I think. And they chose to dedicate a good amount of time to that. Yeah. But I think in terms of the mood, in terms of the feeling of the thing, it was it was worth it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they asked also for um, gentleness from the audience, which is not something I heard before, but I think... I think it was a good thing to do. I think the online medium is a little bit more difficult for everyone, including the presenters. And keeping that in mind 
And as an attendee, not being a jerk to the presenters is really good. Yeah, very much so. I mean, people have very high... It's fascinating the expectations people put on mm-hmm. content, like whether it's this or other things. It's interesting. Absolutely. So there was a lot of talking, which is what we kind of expected because yeah. harder to um, have the interaction piece. But there was some some demo. So I, yeah. I think maybe of the two hours, maybe there was about 75 minutes of talking and about 45 minutes of demo with talking, would you say? I would say that's about accurate. Maybe even a little less demo than that. And I think the presenters were a bit surprised by how long the talking interactions can take online. Mm. and maybe if that I don't know if that's a class that they've offered in person before or not but I got the impression that they didn't quite realize how long the talking interactions would take and so they didn't have as much time left as we expected for the demo bit Mm. Um, which personally I wasn't super sad about because the talking was really interesting and engaging yeah yeah and in some cases in some workshops you might be chomping at the bit wanting the demo to start but in this case it wasn't like that I found the talking bits really meaty and interesting and I wasn't uh, excited for them to finish so we could get to the demo I think the talking bits were really useful yeah and they did a good uh, job of positioning the fact that there would be talking Mm -hmm. so it wasn't it wasn't like um, yeah it wasn't a waste it was it was very well positioned true Uh, the workshop um, included the presenters taking input from the attendees about what kind of questions they had so uh Things like people were very interested in transitions, uh, apparently uh, like dynamic suspension or floor transitions and moving a body more or less effortlessly is something that interests people a lot. Uh, Rotations, uh, twists in suspensions and things like that seems to be a a popular topic at the moment. Uh, There were also a few people interested in how to handle bodies with injuries. So Mm. that might be a chronic condition like you have, Maya. Uh, can be acute injuries if your partner well got you. I've got one of those too. You yeah, you've got you've got a little <laughs> bit of everything, don't you? You <laughs> like to challenge me and keep I me like on my game. I like to throw them all in, yeah. All right. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this podcast and sharing it with you, but your support can really help us pay for the hosting, the equipment, and other critical costs. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope tutorials and gear so we get a small commission from your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, you could also donate to us directly on our Patreon, either as a one-off amount or monthly support that can be as little as the price of a cup of coffee. If you can't afford to do that, that's okay. Just enjoy the podcast and maybe tell a kinky friend or two about it. Now back to today's episode. Uh, there were also questions about tying with different body sizes. Yeah. Uh, and different difference of body size between the rigger and the bottom. Yeah. Like smaller rigger, larger bottom, for example, or shorter, taller, and so on. And also questions uh, around core muscle levels, because we know that uh, for some people who are not circus artists or acrobats, some things can seem a bit intimidating. And I think normalizing rope for all kinds of bodies and all kinds of fitness levels is a good goal to have. Yeah. All right. So what kind of things were covered in the workshop, Maya? 
Um, one thing that I thought was very interesting is they started talking about learning the body before you put rope on. Oh, so, I love that part. Yeah, so learning to read your partner's body and sort of scouting the person's body for their level of uh, flexibility, mm-hmm. the level um, that they can move a particular joint, um, how they're feeling on that particular day. Um, and they had a quote that you liked, didn't they? Um, they did, uh, yeah, it was the song starts when the music starts, not when the lyrics start. And I think that's a, that's a good reminder. And yeah, a rope scene can definitely start before you actually put rope on a person. Absolutely. Uh, that was an interesting reminder. And I think not only that helps you see the body you're working with, but it can really help set the mood. Mm. Mm, yeah, uh, and create a connection in a way that's going to be really beneficial to the rope experience for both sides. Yeah, so they gave some uh, a demo, in fact, and suggestions around how to manipulate the body, how mm-hmm. to keep body control, how to do that with different sizes of body, different types of body, yeah. um, ways to enable the body, the bottom to relax during that mm-hmm. situation. Absolutely. Um, and that was really nicely done. And, I, and we learned some stuff from that. In fact, I noticed that you did the hold on today or yesterday scene that we did. Yeah, when I, when I learn new techniques, I like to try to apply them yes. as soon as possible yes, so do. I can memorize them. <laughs> and the things I have um, seen in this workshop, I applied today. I'm going to apply them in my rope tomorrow as well. And I find them quite useful. I mm. mean, they're a good addition to my rope arsenal for sure. Yeah. Uh, the price the price of the event ticket was worth it just for those few techniques I yeah, picked up, lovely, I feel. Lovely. Um, they also, as hopefully people do anyway, but it's always a good reminder, talked about talking to your bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked a bit about um, when bottoms don't know so much. Um, we actually have an episode on that, which I can link to for people. Um, they also talked about um, using photos to to um help bottoms in that situation but not for the tie itself um but to provide inspiration and spark conversation yeah that was an interesting one because we've all seen uh, the person who comes with a photo and says can we replicate this and we've talked uh, we have an episode we coming up an episode scheduled. coming up soon yeah. about the caveats of this method what they said here which was more interesting was you can also look up photos that represent the kind of mood mm. you'd like to experience in your scene and show that to your partner and say, look, like this looks interesting. Do you think we can access these type of feelings and sensations? And that I resonated with more. Mm. Yeah, me too. I thought that was nicely done. Um, there was quite a bit of anatomy in the workshop, but presented in a very easy to consume way. Yeah. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't dry at all. Toe to top. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the the way they went is starting from the feet and talking about all the different joints from the feet to the head. And yeah, that was that was quite useful. There was some good stuff. I learned, I mean, I've taken anatomy in med school and still I learned some useful stuff from that. So I feel that was good value as well. Yeah, I think um, one of um, the things that's interesting is uh, the different contexts people come from. Mm-hmm. And so kind of understanding where they're coming from versus where we're coming from. So so their type of rope has some overlap with ours and certainly will be 
using some of their rope over CNRs, but there's also some more, um, uh, what would you call it? Esoteric um, aspects to their rope. So mm-hmm. one of them is a rope witch. And so that's something which is not so familiar to us. The and to language. clarify, you said rope witch, not rope switch. Yeah, because my arm isn't strong. You say yes. it again. <laughs> so a rope witch, someone who does ma- magic with rope, I as opposed think to so. that yeah. is that is what I think also. Uh, we know that rope can be a spiritual endeavor yeah. for yeah. people, yeah. and so it's interesting to see all the different perspectives, whether or not that's something you. Yeah, have but that's in your I think role. is interesting because one of the big benefits for me about this format was mm-hmm. hearing people talk about rope in a different way from what we're used to. So- yeah, okay. Um, at the same time, I think one challenge of this format is that the presenters need to understand that they are speaking to a different audience than what they are used to. And if you're, let's say, an American presenter teaching in North America and you switch to doing an online workshop, all of the sudden you have attendees from all around the world. And the vocab you're going to use, if you're using the lingo of your local community, well, people have no idea what you mean. Or even, yeah, even of the North American community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ties are called different things. East versus West. Like yeah, we live in the East, we don't live in the West. Um, yeah. And yeah, there were definitely a number of times when, when tires were dropped in, which people weren't necessarily familiar with, or language was used, sometimes which I couldn't. I wasn't sure totally how you'd even spell the word. Yeah, yeah, because it's um, not the, the way we used to. And we're obviously very thing. comfortable googling while we're listening, so we're kind of doing it at the same time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's a very good point. I think there's some um, as we get more global and less local in our online rope education, we have to think about well, who yeah. are we reaching, and and how do we do that in a way that works for everyone? And honestly, to what degree are we prepared? To flex, because there is only so much. True that, but I think if you want to be inclusive as an educator, you have to progressively get the skill set of being able to teach Mm -hmm. different cultures. Maybe also teach people who don't have English as their primary language. Yeah, I think that one would definitely Uh, be a... And honestly, for an English second language, this uh, context of the online workshop can be a bit overwhelming because the chat scrolls pretty fast. Yeah. So if you're not fast at reading English, because English is your second language, you can find some challenges. Yeah, and your English is, uh, well, hopefully listeners will be up here, and after 65 episodes, no, uh, is pretty solid, and I could see you um, concentrating quite hard. In fact, you batted me away several times, and I tried mm-hmm. to poke at you, because you were trying to process. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't need to focus yeah, to be able to process Yeah, you needed that both. Whereas for me, like, I'm a super fast reader, and obviously yeah. I'm first language, so it's very different, yeah. and that was a good reminder for me. And, and also in this context, you, as an ESL, have to process both the video audio feed and the text at the same time. So you're already trying to absorb two flows of information yeah. in a foreign language. And then if you're talking to me in a foreign yeah, language know, at the I same know. time, it just becomes too much. I know, I know. I'll be better next time. Um, and, and then there one, as another thing from a Bottoms perspective, um, and this, I don't know the extent to which this is common in classes generally, or whether it, because obviously I don't have the North American context either. Mm-hmm. But it was quite interesting to me that both of the um, educators were switches. 
Um, now, one was a bottom-heavy switch and one was a top-heavy switch, as far yes. as I understood. Correct. But when they were talking, um, although there was lots of really super nice bottom um, empowerment and valuing of bottoms, that was not an issue at all, um, I felt that more of the content from both of them was talking from a top perspective. That's true. I think... Um... I think in the speaking bits, it was a bit more top-focused. And I think that's because they're both super educated mm-hmm. about it. and can So the t- bottom heavy switch is a like a yogi and a... Professional yoga teacher. Yeah, and a movement things, teacher, yeah. right? Yeah, so. And it showed really well in her ability to talk about her body and to yep. demonstrate yep. things with her body. But I can see how, as a bottom attending that workshop having the things demoed by someone who has such a level of proficiency might be, in some cases, less helpful. Because if you're comparing to someone who's a professional, you might end up feeling not great about yourself. This is one of those constant challenges I have, honestly, with rope education videos as well Mm -hmm. as classes. Like, I always want to see, like, a more average in inverted commas, because is there an average? Probably not. Person do it as well as the um, like professional bottom. Hmm. Because it just, it can be, yeah. I think, I think I agree with you on that. We have to back up our message of diversity in rope with having demos done by actually diverse people. And I think the content of this workshop was very good. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm absolutely not criticizing. But the fact of the matter is the bottom in the demo was in fact a very athletic, uh, very highly trained. Yeah, she was awesome. Medium to small bodied female. Yeah, she and she was brilliant and awesome and, yeah. and very inspiring. But also I know there's no way I could have like I consider myself alright. I'm not amazing, but I'm alright. Like mm-hmm. for a regular person who has a job and mm-hmm. doesn't do rope, you know. Yeah. Um but I couldn't have done the position they chose to demo the movement yeah it was a fairly so the demo involved the suspension and it was a fairly intense suspension i think so and honestly i think most of the bottoms i tie with would not be able to achieve it yeah so yeah so it's an interesting one to choose and it was nice to see like Mm -hmm. you know that's a that's a positive and there's only so much you could show in these classes so it's an interesting one and and honestly i don't think that is about this particular class that's about all of the videos i've seen so far it's very rare that you get them um you know um but i really loved the fact that we were able to get access to rope educators of this caliber from bangkok it was really amazing and for most people right now who might be stuck at home it's great but honestly if you live in thailand it's like that all the time because we don't (laughs) have in-person rope education so much no it's very limited it, it was kind of brilliant to open this door for us yeah and and i think there are a lot of people in the world who aren't in the kind of hot spots um, and this is a brilliant way of opening that up. And I mm. think Friction Live um, and the the people who were uh, the teachers um, did brilliantly to yeah. to offer that. Yeah, it was a very positive experience. I liked the presenters a lot. I liked mm, the facilitating they had a, lovely energy. a lot. And I definitely am happy I paid the money and I will, in fact, subscribe. We have already booked onto their next (laughs) two rope events. All right. So, yeah, (laughs) voting with our money here. Definitely. So that's all from us at the Rope Podcast.
Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, so iTunes or Stitcher, and come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Also, if you enjoy the Rope Podcast, a really great way to support us is our Patreon. And if you don't know that already, Patreon is a platform on which you can send a little bit of money to the creators that you like, and that can be as little as a few dollars a month, or it can be a one-time contribution. So if you feel you can spare like the price of a latte once a month to help support your uh, friendly rope podcasters, then please consider that. And you can also find the other ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.